Italy! They're actually playing in a tournament this summer. The Coyote Flames are burning bright in Serie A. Napoli. Napoli. Seriously. You want to tell me what the fuck is going on? Because I have <laughs> zero clue. And we are ending the decade with our team of the decade. We look forward to your letters. Napoli. Just any time, buddy. Just let us know. Because <laughs> we have no fucking clue. None. None. I'm done. Shiro Immobile it will be from the spot. Immobile for his 17th of the season. Fired into the corner. Lazio double their lead. Both coming from Chiro Immobile. We're in the first day of December. And he has thundered his 17th goal of the season. Look at the joy. But a win that takes Antonio Conte's Inter top of the Serie A table. Yo, you are listening to Stereo Serie A. That's right, Stereo Serie A. We're back. Um, because, well, this is going to be our last show of the decade. And Crazy. What a, what a decade Crazy. it's been. Um, and I'm pumped to be here. We don't have our whole crew. We actually have half a crew, but I'm excited with the crew we do have. Anthony Sports, Caddy Lapopolo. We are a bit short-staffed, but it is the holiday season and people are busy. We're, we're trying our best. To, to do to do the show with with the numbers that we have but we'll we'll do a good job we'll be around and we've got some information on our docu series because some people have been asking That's when right. the next episode is coming out and it's coming out very 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 soon producer kiz gangsters Whoa. what's up guys yo what's what up, going man? on man everything is good i am uh very happy to be in between both of you right now Got a nice south african smile on man. <laughs> um in between both of us wow <laughs> Uh, And I'm your host, Marco Kubani D'Onofrio. And um, like I said, we've been doing all kinds of stuff behind the scenes. We're looking to do shows once, twice a month when we can. Um, And we're going to continue with the docuseries because that's really where our priority lies right now on continuing with that and trying to change the way we cover the game a little bit. So, yeah, um, I mean, we've we've tried our best, um, you know, we're trying to be a little bit more timely. It's it's obviously difficult. All of our schedules are becoming a little bit busier. Um, but uh, I think the last episode we we did was in late September. So it's been a while. We apologize for that. But um, I think in the new year, we'll be a little bit more punctual with with all of our, our pods and, and our docuseries. Absolutely. At Stereo City, uh, Stereo City on all the social media channels. That's how you can get a hold of us. Don't stop reaching out to us, even if we haven't done a show for a while. We're mean, live. We're live and we're good. So keep the love coming because we love chatting with you guys. And right off the bat, we've, we've got to talk about Italy because... Mancini has come in and restored belief because I know and people are still critical despite him going 10-0-0 right now um, but people forget where this team was a very short time ago right it wasn't that long ago that Ventura was in charge and this was a complete disaster right Sweden was not that long ago yeah and here we are entering a European competition feeling pretty damn confident yeah, it's it's very strange. It's a strange feeling. Um, you know, two years ago, 
uh, all of us were were up in arms about the whole national team program. Um, but I think it also goes to show how uh, how far can coaching can go in the international game. I don't think um, developmentally it was that bad for Italy um, into and ahead of the 2018 World Cup. I think it was all about Ventura and his inability, his incompetence uh, in the role. Because now we're seeing this next crop of players come in and, and fill... Uh, and fill the void that was left by the the previous generation. Yeah, because I mean, ultimately, yeah, you've got some young players coming in and stepping up their game a little bit and showing that they deserve to be on the squad. But it's not really that much different of a team that didn't qualify for the World Cup, right? And we said it at the time that, yeah, you know what, some of these players and many of these players of this generation have underachieved for the national team. But at the time, we also said, is it their fault or was it their direction? Yeah. Because Conte in 2016 got the most of his squad. Right. And again, relatively the same team. Yeah, you get some turnover year after year, but there was a disaster for two years. Right. That was a yeah. two year atomic bomb with this team. That's right. And now all of a sudden you look at them and again, it comes down to the same players. Right. Like we talk about Immobile. Right. Like his stats right now are ridiculous. Right. He's oh, got, my God. He's got 17 goals in 14 games. He's yeah. on pace for, I think, a total of 46 goals, something stupid like that. Um, but he gets criticized because, well, what has he done for the national team? Yeah, and 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 rightfully so. Uh, I, I think because you know whether we like it or not, the majority of people probably watch him when he plays for the national team. Um, Lazio doesn't get as much respect from from the rights holders as you know the other big big clubs in Italy do. So um, that shapes their opinion of the player. Uh, and until he um, start, I mean, he has been performing recently for Italy. Um, so I guess maybe he's starting to put um, that pass behind him, but. Uh, he's got to continue to do that in order to be considered, um, uh, you know, uh, the the true striker that Italy has been been lacking for years. And it's it's actually crazy, and we'll get to this later when we talk about our team of the decade. But um, Immobile has been one of the best performing strikers of oh, the easily. decade. And had he not, you know, had, in Serie, yeah, yeah. And had he not gone to Germany and Spain and had those little spells, of, he probably would have been the best. Oh, he easily, yeah. right? And I mean, um, and maybe that's also why he doesn't get the credit that he deserves in Serie, because abroad he didn't really do that well. So people are like, "Well, sure, he's performing in Serie for you know for Lazio or or but Torino." He couldn't do it in know? Germany. But, yeah, couldn't do it in Spain. You know, so and I, I get it, right? Like questions. And we'll see what happens there. Yeah, um, it, it'll be interesting. It it, it will. Um, that's been the problem position, right? For for Italy, uh, who can score the goals? But um, Mancini, all the credit has to go to him because he identified the strengths in this squad and he's played to them, regardless of Italy's traditions as a defensive uh, football nation. He's um, he's picked offensive players. He's played an offensive formation. Uh, and they've reaped the benefits. Um, they they're scoring goals for fun. They're hammering teams that they're supposed to hammer. They're not, you know, scoring one goal and then sitting back for the rest of the game. Uh, I I think um, they've been liberated in that sense. And I, I think all of us were kind of cautious when Mancini came in to 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 succeed to Ventura, but um, he's shown that he's attentive to the squad uh, and that he's not this dinosaur of a manager who whose previous success is 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, I was going to ask, do you think it's um, a specific change that kind of uh, sparked this besides the coach? Do you think it was uh, certain selections in the first team? I, I don't know if it was so much selections as it was maybe the just the philosophy uh, in general. Um, I don't even know if it was 
so much uh, tactical. It was, I think it was more so Mancini telling them, you guys are super talented. Let's get the ball to your feet and show the country what you can do. And I, I think that's that's what, that's what been the case. Yeah, I think the shackles have come off a little bit, yeah. and I think that makes a difference, right? I mean, uh, when was the last time you saw Italy score? In Af- you know, they're up two, three goals, and they keep scoring, right? Yeah. We never used to see it's that. It's the attitude. The it attitude is the attitude. It's, it's that ruthlessness, and you need to take that, and, yeah. and this team needs to take that, and it's important to send a message. Uh, let's, let's talk about their group because the draw did happen, um, and what's going to be pretty damn cool about Euro 2020 is it's going to kick off with Italy. Right, Italy's going to open the tournament at the Olimpico in Rome against Turkey, and that's that's going to be an interesting game um, because you know they've got Turkey, then they play Switzerland, then they play Wales, and people are thinking, oh, this is a cruise for Italy. They're going to mm. you know smash this group, and yeah, they do have the advantage of playing at home, you know, for these three games. But is it just going to be a walk in the park? I don't think so. I, I, I'm really afraid about this first game against Turkey. Um, Turkey had the best defensive record through Euro qualifying. They only conceded, I think, three goals um, throughout joint uh, the joint lease with Belgium. Mm. So uh, they've shown that uh, they can defend really well. Um, I, I, they've already beaten France uh, in qualifying as well. So they've, they've shown that they can topple the favorite. Um, in this case, it likely will be Italy, the betting favorite. But uh, I, I think Turkey will be Italy's biggest test uh, under Mancini so far. And um, I don't really, uh, you'd like that. The, it, it's awesome that they're, they're kicking off the tournament, but there's going to be a lot of pressure on them yep. to start off on the right note. And if they don't, uh, I, it, it's going to take a lot for them to respond in, in a short amount of time because they haven't faced too much adversity in that qualifying group. Their success aside, um, their success aside, uh, I just don't think, um, you know, I, I don't think you can take this group very lightly. No, you can't. And you're right. The pressure is going to be on them, right? And imagine Turkey scores an early goal. And, and now all of a sudden that crowd might not be on your side either. And that will be That's interesting, right? right? Like um, there's a lot of pressure there. There is. And it's going to be interesting to see what this team does. Um, and, and what I do like is it does look like they were supposed to go to the Middle East and play a couple of lucrative friendlies in March. It looks like that's changed um, because from what we're hearing, it hasn't been made official yet, but it looks like they will be playing England at Wembley and Germany in Nuremberg uh, during the international break in March, which I think is, is good a test. Good, yes, it is um, a good test. England is probably the harder, um, the harder the team to win right now. And I know England's that's probably the harder, odds, the harder team to beat. Um, uh, they they're they're just they're just loaded with talent um and they're also a, a very young team um they're kind of in the same situation i think as italy really um ready to to blossom to um and i, I think that's a really good test for them um but uh, again it's going to come down to uh how they start how they start off their group i, I like the expanded tournament for euro and i mean i remember the days of like 16 teams and the the group of death that italy had that one year in 08 with france and netherlands and romania and, and i like that i like that idea you can still have those difficult groups and we saw that this year with you know the germany portugal group but, but one thing i will say and this could be a safety net for italy in this group um i hate the fact that the third place team makes it through that there's yeah. not and not in every group there's the wild cards and hey look portugal finished third and 16 and end up winning the tournament right so I, I i get it to a certain degree i just 
I feel like it takes away from the group stage a little bit because it's so difficult to finish in the top two, right? And now all of a sudden three, so it's like 75% of the group gets out. Yeah. You know, like I feel like that takes a little bit away from the tournament period, but. Well, I mean, my biggest concern with um, the, the, the expanded tournament is how like crazy the travel is. I mean, if you look at this group in particular, you know, Wales uh, has to travel to Baku Baku, and then back to Rome. Uh, You're talking like 3000 kilometer journey. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. (laughs) So, um, and uh, you know, uh, for the fans of the host nations, it's not terrible, but if you're, you know, if you're supporting say Scotland makes it through the playoffs, if you're supporting, Oh no, actually Scotland, they're playing at Hampton park. So not a good example. Um, Let's say, uh, Wales. If you're a Wales, Wales. Guy. if you're a Wales fan, exactly. Um, you know what kind of experience is that for you? I mean, that your your expenses are through the roof. I don't even think there's a direct flight from Rome to back. No, you're so not. You're not following that team. You're not you following can't. the team, and that takes away. You know, Wales had such a great Euro 2016. Um, they won't have a similar experience, even if they make a deep run, just because of the travel and logistics. And I get that. Like the, that format's probably only for this tournament. Hopefully. But I feel like they just went too much. You know what I mean? I'm fine yeah. with having multiple countries or multiple cities, but they did what? Ten host countries, ten host cities, or whatever the hell it is. Twelve. Twelve. And I mean, some of these countries, like Azerbaijan, is not even qualifying for Euros. Yeah. Right. So, like, uh, that's where I draw the line. I think it's too much because I don't think I think it's ridiculous that you have to leave the country to play a group game somewhere else, and again, three thousand miles away just to come back and play another game there, yeah. right? Like the group stage games should all be at one venue. And you're wiped. You're wiped. That, yeah. If you make the knockout stage, 100%. you're wiped. It's a huge disadvantage. And so uh, it just, for me, uh, it's just not really fair. But at the end of the day, uh, UEFA is counting the dollar signs, right? They're, this is what it's all about. Um, we've seen it in, in South America with the Copa America and how much they've milked that cow to the point where people resent the tournament. Yeah. Um, and they're just not showing up in, in the stands. I don't want to see the Europe the euro become that um i would like to see it that the format as it was was fine it was it was perfectly fine i don't know they didn't really need to change it but um if they can make money they will um speaking of making money Cagliari might be making some champions league money i mean man, man, do, man, do, man. do we believe are we starting to believe i mean this this is this is becoming something um and it's you know it's not 10 weeks in it's now, you know, you're looking at almost halfway through the season and all of a sudden you, you see Caliody and you're like, holy crap, these guys might actually be for real. It seems like they've been inspired by Atalanta because at the time of recording, they're in fourth place. They've been in fourth place for a few weeks now or in and around that position. Um, it, it was, um, if I can pat myself on the back a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. Hey, go, go for ahead. it. In yeah. in the preview, I mentioned how much I love their transfer campaign and how well they spent the Barella money. Uh, and a lot of those players, even Robin Olsen, uh, who's, who's filled in for, for Cranio, he, who he was injured. Even, he doesn't even look like the same guy that we saw last he's year. playing man. with confidence. I, you know? I guess confidence matters when you're a goalkeeper. Oh, clearly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought he was one of the worst signings in City Ever. history. Ever. Uh, but he's completely redeemed himself. Um and uh, we've seen some of the matches they've played have been spectacular. It was just appointment viewing that that comeback against Sampdoria, uh, heartbreaking for Sampdoria, but just it speaks to the, the character in that team. Well, and even the ninja, like he's oh, wow. he's wow. just been so motivated and dedicated. Like 
And I know, listen, his history and the, the parting and this and that, yeah. but I mean, what this team, it's, he's exactly what this team needed. Yeah. And you can see how much he actually cares for this club. He, and that and that 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 can't be understated. Um, I, when you when you see a motivated Nangle and he can be one of the best midfielders in Europe, uh, and he's playing that way right now. He's completely uh, energized that midfield, um, and he's made the team a little bit unpredictable. Um, then they don't have to worry about. I mean, in that Sampdoria game, they they relied on set, on on crosses to the box, but um, what kicked it? What kicked what what? What kickstarted that comeback was Nine Glands' goal from from long range, yep. and that's what he can provide. So, as a as an opposing defense, you got to account for that, and you can't just sit back. You you got to push up a little bit, and that that's that's what's been. In, that's why Coyote's been successful. It's it's a state of mind, right? I mean, it's why Juventus have been so successful for the last decade, right? It's why it's it's the problem. We're going to talk about Napoli, but it's their problem right now. Where with Calgary, they go down, and in their heads, they know where it doesn't matter. It doesn't it's matter. never over. It's that Fino Alefina thing, right? Where with Juve, you know, even if they're down a goal in the 90th minute, they're they're probably still going to win this game somehow. Yeah. And, and and you're starting to think that with Calgary, which is insane, but it's the truth. It's no matter what, the, like they were down three one, right? And, and they just came back like it was nothing and said, "No, we're never going to settle for a draw. We're taking the win. We're taking three points because we want a Champions League spot." Yeah, it seems like the theme surrounding Kayeti would be unpredictability. Do you see, I mean, for any of you, um, obviously keeping it up this season, but do you see them being uh, there again next season? Uh, I mean, it's it's a little bit far out right now to, to know for sure. I mean, I think they're going to be... The, if they continue playing this way, they'll be they'll be fighting for a champion spot for the rest of the season. There's no question about it. Um, a lot of credit has to go to Moran, the coach. Um, he has them playing just very quickly. Uh, it's not that they're always counterattacking, although they're very good on the counterattack. Um, whenever they get the ball, they're they're looking to move it forward. Uh, and Atalanta has had success that way. Um, and maybe they've kind of modeled themselves after Atalanta a little bit. They have the midfield. Nandez in midfield has been absolutely amazing as a creative influence as well. Um, so they have players who can move the ball. Um, that's the most important thing. They're they're not going to be able to score goals if they don't have those those midfielders in place. So um, it, it's a matter of a coach again, kind of like Italy, coach identifying the strengths of his players and making sure that um, the ball is moved as quickly as possible. And it seems simple, but. It's it's really tough to execute, and and Coyote's doing it. It's 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 remarkable to watch. It's it's insane, and you know what? Um, and I think a lot of it will depend on where they ultimately finish, right? Because say they finish in a Champions League spot, I mean, how does anybody leave this club, right? I mean, uh, wow, could you imagine? And they had two. We mentioned Cranio getting yeah. injured. Um, Pavoletti was also yeah. injured early on too, so. They didn't start the season no. with, you know, with, with roses. And, and that's the other thing. It's not like this club is made up of, like, stars where you're like, no. oh, this guy's going to leave after this year. This Like, with Atlanta, you looked at them and you had all these young yeah. prospects. You're like, oh, it's going to be tough for They're them to hold on apart. to these guys. Yeah. Where with Cali, you're like, a lot of these guys were scraps that nobody yeah. wanted. Yeah. Right? And they just, they put them together kinda and like, they made it work. Kind of like, you know, I don't want to make a comparison to Leicester, but... That was what Leicester was. Yeah. All these rejects who yep. just came together and, and as a team, they just clicked. Um, and that's kind of what's happening here. 
I, I don't I don't want to jinx them by saying that, but but still, I think it's a similar theme that's developing. <sighs> is, it, is it time we talk? We about might as well rip this bandage off you know, right now. Talk about a team that's not clicking and that hasn't <laughs> been clicking. And I, I, I make no bones about it, and I, I don't hide this. I mean, I went on national fucking TV and said they were going to win a Scudetto, and I believe that. <laughs> I really fucking believe that. Yeah, on our preview show, too. Yeah, on our preview oh, show, yeah. too. I, I had no, like, I, I really did believe that. And, I mean, and it's it's weird to say this, and it, I actually had this thought earlier in the year, and I'm not going to lie. I was like, with Napoli, as as weird as seasons can be, we never like, even if we're not having a great season, our worst is we're still ultimately make the Champions League. That's how it's kind of felt these last few worst years. Worst case scenario. Worst case scenario. This year, that please, time of recording is eight points out of fourth place. And even that, I'm like, eight points. It's not like being eight points behind a Juventus where you're like, they're not even going to drop right. four points a season. You're like, okay, there's they can catch some of these teams ahead of them, but they don't have the team or the they have the quality on their team. They don't have the leadership. They don't have the mentality. They don't have the guidance. They don't have the accountability in order to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, because right now, th- this team is a mess. I-, I don't know how you fix it. I don't think you can fix it with this group of players. I think they're broken. I think this team is broken. Um, and it's at the point now where either the entire squad goes, and I think that's going to be the case. You're going to see a massive overhaul this summer. Or De Laurentiis sells. And I think both should probably happen. I know mm-hmm. they both won't happen. Um, but th- this is a point I've never seen it this bad. Yeah. And I will say this. I still believe this is the most talented squad Napoli have had in the De Laurentiis era. And mm. that's the really sad part about this whole situation. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously with the when the players decided to ignore... Um, De Laurentiis orders uh, for uh, a retreat, a training retreat, which, you know what, like training retreats are, are such an old school thing. Yep. It, it doesn't really solve anything. So what, you go on this training retreat and you lose the next game. Then what do you do? Like mm-hmm. you're you're out of options at that point. So you, you've reached rock bottom. What'd you accomplish? There's no way, there's no way back from that. Uh, I, so I don't agree with the training retreat and I, I can sympathize with the players, but um, there's clearly, as you mentioned, like uh, – uh, uh, chronic discord. What's the thing that Chelsea, Chelsea mentioned this um, uh, several years ago? There was some sort of discord um, when Mourinho was sacked, uh, and and that's what I'm seeing right now. Mm-hmm. I, I, I see a club that is not in agreement at all levels, mm-hmm. uh, from top to bottom, and I'm seeing players who uh, are a little bit agitated. Um, some players who are, are expecting to to win. Uh, others who are, 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 I just don't see uh, harmony in There's this team. None. Absolutely I don't see, it. and when none. that happens, you you end up going on a it's winless chaos. run. It's chaos. Yeah, because the situation right now is at the point where the players and we don't we're not behind those closed doors, so we really don't know the full situation, mm-hmm. and we never will. But at the end of the day, it seems like. The players are not only, I mean, I don't know the relationship with the coach, but the players aren't in agreement with the club, clearly, yeah. right? The owner has lost all, you know, um, respect in that locker room. Right. So that's a massive problem, right? Um, you look at who your leaders are supposed to be. Listen, Insignia, I get, he gets he gets the worst being from Naples, but he's not a leader. At the he's end not. of the day, he's not. He's and, just and, not. And, and, 
I know he's the hometown boy and it seemed like the right decision. It wasn't. He's he's not your captain. He can't be your captain. Um, and if you look at the team, there are no real strong leaders, right? I mean, uh, who you turn to? A guy like Marge Callejon? They're both gone at the end of the yeah. year. Well, and that's another thing too, um, the way that situation has yeah. been handled. Terrible. You have a player in Mertens who absolutely loves playing in Naples, um, who's done a lot for the club. Uh, I think you you got to give him whatever you want. Whatever yeah. he wants, you give it to him. And he's the one guy that actually came out of this mutiny actually on a positive for both sides. Right. Because the fans, you know, he wanted to pull The fans love him now. Where uh, the players, they've been ripped apart by the fans, you know. And, and that's the other thing. Sorry. But that's the other thing with this retreat. And I saw on Twitter a lot of Napoli fans like, all oh, these guys are spoiled, blah, blah, blah. No, no. you know what, man? It's basically... Th- I, I don't want to compare it to the real world because football is not like the anywhere close to the real world. But... Say like you're not report, performing your best at work. You got to sleep at the office for the rest of the week. Yeah. How, is gonna, how is that going to help your Does situation? That when there's a morale problem to begin with. And then especially that night. So they tie Salzburg 1-1 at the San Paulo. Frustrating draw, but it wasn't the end of the world. At that point, and even now, they're 90% chance to go through. They should go through. They got to go to this retreat. They're supposed to go to this retreat. What people forget is right after that game that they played on Saturday, that Saturday was the international break. So a lot of those players weren't going to go home. They were going to fly out to wherever the hell they had to go. So for a lot of these players, they wouldn't see their family for a week and a half, two weeks. Mm -hmm. I don't care how much money you're making. You're right. At the end of the day, is that going to solve your problems? If anything, it'll breed resentment. Yes. And that's what's happened is that he broke this team. Because that's exactly it. They're resenting him. They're resenting ownership. Now, and, and another stupid decision by the club. I'm sorry. I, I got a, I got a lot of things to say here. Is, You're on the right show. Yeah, because, so they had the, the, the Champions League game was the Tuesday. The mutiny happens Tuesday night. They had an open practice scheduled on the Thursday. In front of all their fans. Open practice for season ticket holders. Is it really a good time to keep going? Uh, Napoli is adamant. We're going to have this practice no matter what. Let's bring out these players that are already pissed off at the club, that are already pissed off at each other, pissed off at the coach, pissed off at everything to begin with. Let's bring them out in front of their fans who hate them right now and that they're the ones making them look like they're the bad guys. So they're coming out and being heckled and booed. That's going to motivate them to get the job done on the weekend? Are you kidding me? Just, just it's it's simple it's backwards it, yeah it's just not logical no, it, it, it makes no sense it's ridiculous it makes no sense and, I, and then now this is the best part is they were put in a retreat this week so they go into the retiro because now ancelotti has ordered it mm-hmm. and and that's the thing here is that but they respect ancelotti yes more than de Laurentiis. yes they do but even him i feel like he's lost this group and they're not performing for him anymore either and maybe he's been too lenient on them maybe he's been and maybe that's what originally started and then you had the club trying to play hardball and then boom um i don't know but what i do know is this in all honesty if ancelotti wasn't ancelotti he would have been sacked yeah and he would have been ripped apart in the media by de Laurentiis a long time ago yep the reason he hasn't and, and this is de Laurentiis, um when a coach with a higher pedigree comes in, like we saw with Benitez, like we saw with De Laurentiis, sorry, like we saw with Ancelotti, De Laurentiis won't criticize, won't talk shit. Even if he should, whether he shouldn't, doesn't matter. He'll praise them. And even when Benitez left, praised him. 
And Benitez deserves credit for building the team that even is still to part right now. Fine. Mm-hmm. But with Matsari, with sorry, with coaches that he feels he's given that opportunity to, he rips them apart, no problem. Yeah. Sorry, sorry left Napoli as one of the best Napoli sides we've seen in years. Mm-hmm. The closest to a scudetto we've seen claim. since Maradona. And he got roasted. Yeah. Right? Angelotti. Oh no, I have full faith in the coach, full and I'm just like, really? Yeah. I mean, after all of this still? It it, it seems like um I mean I obviously I love Ancelotti. Um I, I just it it happened at Bayern where he was brought in after Guardiola and he was supposed to Bingo. He was supposed to be this guy who let the play let 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 the players play a little bit, not as rigorous in training. Um he was supposed to be the opposite end of the spectrum. And the players kind of started to resent him for that because they were like, Oh well, we for the past three years we've been training like at a hundred kilometers an hour every day. And now we're just kind of like sipping, sipping espressos and you know, yeah. you know what I mean? Like that, that type yep. of mentality. So the one eighty um, switch doesn't really work that well. And it's happening. I think again, at Napoli. Absolutely. So it, it, it's, it's not, it, it, it's become clear now that this is not the ideal uh, situation for Ancelotti to come into um, right after a coach who has played such a such a rigorous style of yep. play, um, it, it's hard. It's hard to reconcile that. It's not working. And and truth be told, Napoli played at its best last year when they were able to revert back to their old sorry ball ways because yeah. they still had that in them. And Ancelotti right? let them play still that way yep. last season. Um, but I think it's just it's just different when you don't have sorry no. there. And this year now he's trying to. He, this was his year to really put his stamp on this team. And the, the scary part right now and why I'm why I'm 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 like this team needs to be overhauled and build around a few of these players is because honestly you look at some of the talent on this team some young talent right mm-hmm. when you look at Alex Merritt you look at Fabian Ruiz you look at some Great pieces player. I mean in my opinion Fabian Ruiz could be one of the best if not the best midfielder in the world one day yep if you were playing under Pep Guardiola yeah. no question yeah. and is, is he staying now Absolutely not. Not with Real Madrid and Barcelona and everybody else in the world trying to come why, call him. Why would he? Well, when you come into this, I mean, if you're uh, Lozano, I mean, Lozano, he's still learning a lot. Lately, he's been playing a lot better. But if you're him, you're like, I, I came into this team and what the fuck is this? Yeah. Right? Like you walked into a disaster. And that's the scary part is at the end of this year, what's going to be left? And I, I just, I. Well, I, I, I mean, he's been asked to play in a front two. Um, when he's if yeah, he, he hasn't had a position he just hasn't had a, he hasn't had a position no. or he hasn't been playing on the wing as None. much as he probably should be playing so it's it, it it doesn't seem like there's a concrete plan in place no. and when that happens and it, usually a team can get by if there's it, it, some semblance of a plan you know if you're losing a few games uh, you know what though I, I like the progression here I like I like the way they're playing the, these things keep a team from entering into a, a bonafide crisis. And uh, unfortunately, those those things have not been there for Napoli, and it makes the situation all the worse. And, and, and I'm tired with the excuses. I mean, look, do I, do I think there were some calls that Napoli were hard done by? Yeah, probably. Right? Like, I think the Atlanta game. But then what bothered me with that is even in that Atlanta game, for example, right, with the Urente non-call, whatever, Napoli was up 2-1 at that point. They didn't get the call. They completely stopped playing. Yeah. Atlanta go back the other way and score a goal. Fine, two two. You blow it. I get momentum. You're pissed off. Fine, it happens. Maybe you, you should have got the penalty. 
But then they're still using that as an excuse a week later saying, well, it's tough to recover from what happened last week. Are you fucking kidding nah. me? You know what I mean? Stuff like that. It's like, I get, look, sometimes it sucks. And sometimes you don't get the calls. You probably should. But you can't go back and blame that two weeks later, three weeks later. Yeah. And, and that seems to be the case. And that's when I say the accountability issue here. And and I think that's on the captain and senior. I think that's on the veterans in the locker room. But I do think that's on Ancelotti. Because if you're not holding your players accountable, then what are you doing? Yeah. yeah. You know? So... Do you, do you think that the um, that Hamshik leaving uh, has anything to do with this as well? Because I feel like it kind of came undone after that. Yeah, well, I do to a certain degree because, I mean, he, obviously he was your old captain. He was your leader. Yeah. To be honest, though, I even if he was here this year, I think this still happens. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. at the end of the year, like, um, I think what a big problem with this team is you got a lot of these core players who have been here forever. And I just, I, I think you need some new blood in there. Mm-hmm. I need to, you need to rebuild a little bit. Yeah. But at the same time, you shouldn't have had to. Coming into this season, that shouldn't have been an issue. And I, I, this team, it's just completely fallen apart. And I think there's some questions that are happening in the locker room and that we don't know about. I think there's a lot of internal fighting going on and you see it on, on the wrist, on the pitch. Um, and the scary thing is, and I, I tweeted this out not too long ago and it's, it's Napoli's problem. It's been their problem all season is they can't hold a lead. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If they have a one goal lead, they're going to give it up. Right. Um, and then the other issue is they get so defeated. And we saw that against Bologna where you're up one, nothing, you dominate the game you can't find a second. Bologna scores a first. They tie it up, and all of a sudden you fall apart. Yeah, and you concede the the winner. Yeah, right. Like it, it's it's such a mental thing, and it's so apparent and it's so obvious. It's just I have no clue how to fix it. But I, I do believe that it's not just the coach. I think the players are responsible. I think the whole team's responsible, and I think the club is. I think the 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 owner. I think De Laurentiis. You know, the whole situation. That whole Retiro was. He was a big reason why. Um, but. Let's let's end the last show of the decade on a positive, <laughs> because I could talk about the shit show that is Napoli for about six years right now. Well, it's it's nice to talk about a shit show that doesn't involve AC Milan. Hey, when you guys won before <laughs> Napoli did, I was like, are you fucking kidding? Me? I'm like, when you guys scored the last, I was with my father-in-law, who's a big Milan fan, and I see him like, ah, they scored the winner. He's like, yeah, hey, he's going, he's getting excited, he's getting nuts, right? Theo Hernandez, hey, I'm like Napoli's playing, I'm like ah, we're up one nothing, then. Yeah, we, we, we concede the winner. And I just, it hurts, but. Uh, Next I, edition I, of Calcio's Anonymous. Yeah, that's it. For I real. Know. I know. Um, but let, let's get into our team of the decade. And let's let's preface this before we say any names. At Stereo said, yeah, you can tweet at us all you want. Oh, yeah. The 11's not going to change, but we are curious to see who we didn't include. Um, and we also got to say, it's extremely difficult choosing an 11 for a decade, right? You're talking 10 years. Well, you got to also figure, I mean, some players have lit it up for three, four seasons yep. and gone to another league. So how much consideration do you give to a Paul Pogba, for example? I don't know if you can you can squeeze him in yeah. because there are players who've been in the league for five plus years who have played just as well, if not better. And we decided to do a 3-4-3 formation. Um, one, because it made sense with the players we wanted to include. But two, I think the, the three at the back deserves a lot of love. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like it was the formation. That was the, the reason why we took this formation. You know, we, we chose this one. 
Yeah, people forget about like the Conte Mazzari yeah. battles with right Juve at the turn Napoli, of the decade, right? Like, like that's kind of where uh, Conte came in and really made Juve that three-five-two powerhouse. Yeah, and then which, it started to get adapted more often. That's right. Which, by the way, he took away from Mazzari. I want to give Mazzari some credit with that <laughs> Napoli team. All right, that that was a team with some heart. I missed that team. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I'm sure you guys listening, you're you're gonna have to pick apart this this eleven, and that's fine. If this is a starting point for a greater discussion about the the, the Serie A 11 everyone. then that's fantastic uh, that, that's great um, and, and to your Ronaldo fanboys I'm going to say this right now he's not, he's not on the list I'm sorry he played one season and truth be told he, he wouldn't make it right now no right now yeah no, no. If he had 10 seasons like the season he's having right now not a shot not a shot but we'll get into that very nice we'll, we'll start uh, in goal we'll start in goal I mean this was a unanimous um, choice. It has to be Gianluigi Buffon. Um, I think runner-up was Hendanovic. I think Hendanovic. We, we, we definitely looked at Hendanovic. Yeah. And he deserves a ton of credit, but uh, for, for a decade, I mean, the body of work Gigi had, uh, and it's sad. Honestly, it, it broke my heart seeing him last weekend um, against Sassuolo. Who, Sassuolo. I little mean, fumble there. Little fumble. I just I, look. He, he's in his forties now. I just. He's not the same goalie he once was, and I mean, hey, no, no shame for that. But yeah, and I'm gonna, I'm also gonna say that there are quite a few UA players in in this eleven, and not, and rightfully so. Um, you they, win, they dominated the, the decade. When so. you win eight straight Scudetti, like there's no way that's around. That's gonna it. happen. What, what no do you want from us? It. I'm sorry. Uh, we're gonna the, the now retired yeah. and heavily influential coach with Juventus right <laughs> True. now, Barzali. That's right. Um, he was obviously, you know, we look at the beginning of the decade. Uh, he was picked up from Wolfsburg for for peanuts. I think it was what five hundred thousand euros. That was a big turning point. Barely, Andre. yeah, barely. Uh, and he came to form, uh, you know, the BBC backline. Uh, and just a, an understated defender. Uh, I think that's the way I would describe him. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily as uh, robust yeah. as other defenders Tactical, in the league, smart. but just just always in the right position at the right time. Calculated. Yeah, not the sexiest of players, but he always he got the job done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and a real leader at the back as well. And beside him, Giorgio Chiellini. The Chiellini. I mean, look, that's obvious. That's an obvious I mean, how do you choice. Not, how do you not? And if you want to argue with us, get at us. But I mean, how do you not include him? But we didn't do the BBC line. No. Sorry. Nah, Benucci's S- not in this. Sorry, Leonardo. And I mean, there were. I mean, in 2016, the it's year his own be- fault. Before the year before he got to Milan, he might have been the best defender on the planet. Yeah. I think. Um, but he hasn't been consistent enough. And he's kind of been showed up after yeah. that move to Milan. Like yeah. people were saying, well, maybe Chiellini made him look better yeah, than he actually absolutely. is. Had he kept his form, I. Milan, maybe. I think, yeah, he probably would have made it in here, but he just showed himself that exactly like you said. Maybe he was better based on the guys around and him. And even even since returning to Juve, I mean, he's been okay. Yeah, it's been better this year. He's been I better think. this year, but still, he's shown some shortcomings. Oh, especially as well. last year. There's a lot of errors yeah. last year. Um, beside him is my boy, and uh, this guy deserves a ton of credit for. I mean, he, he hasn't had the greatest season. He struggled a little bit this year, but uh, he's still one of the best center backs on the planet. Kalidou. Bali. Just uh, an unbelievable player uh, in every sense. Um, you know, whether it's it's clearing uh, clearing the lines at the back or, or carrying the ball forward, he's he's a threat almost everywhere on the pitch. And, and I mean, maybe you make the argument Napoli is Napoli right now because he hasn't been the rock that Napoli's used to. Maybe. And maybe, you know, when you start losing one or two games or you 
draw a couple of games, things switch and players get frustrated, and maybe that's the reason. But it is what it is. I think most of these players on the on this list have been playing um, five plus years, five years or more. Koulibaly might be just under that. But I think we can make an, an exception well, for him. He's not. Well, I think he's been over five years. This is this is like his his fifth year. Well, no, he came in Benitez. Okay. So Benitez brought him in 2014, relatively earlier because Sari was there three years. So he played three years with Sari. This is the second year with Ancelotti. So that's five years. Yeah, okay. No, so he's he probably makes like a cut at, he's probably like seven years now, seven eight years. That's crazy. Yeah, people that's forget crazy. that. But and again, people forget Benitez built this Napoli team. I mean, a lot of these pieces. Well, Kyle were, still playing. Kyle <laughs> Mertens, uh, Albiol was now gone. Um, yeah. Reina was at you know at the time, but yeah. Koulibaly, like all these guys, he brought them in, right? Um, Lich Steiner. Yeah, so this uh, he's the first of our four. Um, he's going to be, kinda, I guess it would be a right wing back in this formation, but we're not really tactical. It's not this. a real formation. Yeah, it's not a right? real formation. Um, and this was a good shout. I actually forgot about Lich Steiner just because he's kind of faded from public view. He went to Arsenal, didn't do well there. and uh, Is he still playing? I don't even know. I don't know. I don't know. If, no, I don't. I don't he know. left Arsenal. He left Arsenal. I don't know where he is right they now. Probably use him. We will. Fuck. I will check get it out. That check it out. Yeah. Arsenal but, sucks, by the way. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> just terrible. Um, but yeah, this guy in full flight. He was uh, so fun to watch, and just had that that that. Uh, it's what my colleague at the score says. He had a bit of piss and vinegar in him. Yeah, you absolutely. You know, like just. Just very aggressive, and that's what you need in, in any title winning yeah. side. So he's currently playing uh, for Osberg in the uh, Bundesliga. In the in Bundesliga, Germany. yeah, yeah interesting. Good yeah, good, good um, but yeah, he he dominated for several years, uh, coming over from Lazio to Juve, and obviously formed uh, helped form that title winning side. So, got to give yeah. love to him. Um, beside him is a guy I really don't like. I'll be honest with you. He's one player <laughs> I, I I really can't stand, but he's one of my top two. Midfielders of the decade, um, whether it was with Roma or whether it was with Juve, Pjanic. I mean, yep. I, I think in his last year with Roma, before he made the move to Juve, he was probably he was their best player. Uh, he was probably the best midfielder in the league at the time. And I mean, I, what Sarri's turned him into now is incredible as well. I think he's also one of the best from set pieces. So there's, yep. I mean, there's a lot to love when it comes to Pjanic. Yeah, real cerebral player um, and and good in those depth ball situations, as you said. Uh, I don't think we could not include him, um, just because for two teams now he's 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 been lights out, so uh, fully deserving of a spot, I think. And um, beside him is New York City FC <laughs> legend Andrea Pirlo. Yeah, I mean, let, let's not forget he revived his career uh, at the start of the decade, um, cast aside by by Milan, and uh, went over to Juve on a free transfer and. Uh, I think he scored more free kicks for Juve in those four or five years than oh, he did for, for for Milan. So They're ridiculous uh, in those in that decade before. So and and not only that, um, he was just uh, a, a new man uh, under Conte, and uh, we we couldn't we couldn't again like just like Pjanic, we couldn't not include him um, just because of the level that he raised his game to when everyone thought that he was finished. Um, so uh, I have no issues keeping him in in, in this eleven. And next to him, and our final midfielder is the, the loyal soldier that is now. I don't even know where he's playing in China. Guangu, maybe. Oh, we will for, get that information. Regardless, Guangu, Yingu. Yeah, I know Benitez is his coach, which is interesting, and they want to bring Kali home. So oh, that, it, that, that would oh, be Benitez is coach yeah, in China. That's right. Yeah, it is um, uh, Dal. 
Dalian Young. Yifang? Yes, Yifang. that's it. Okay. And uh, that's why Benitez is coaching there now, and they want to bring Kayon there this summer. So that would be interesting. Um, of course, we'll talk about Merrick Hamzik. Um, look, whether you're an Apple fan or not, what he's done for the last decade yeah. was truly remarkable. Broke Maradona's scoring record. Yeah. And I mean, which Mertens has done as well. But. Yeah. And Mertens is about to surpass him. Um, and you know what? He's one of those guys who, towards the end, before he's moved to China, he hadn't been the same player, but he was just so fun to watch for so yeah. long. And with Lavezzi and Cavani, I mean, it yeah. was just it was it was a sexy trio. It really was. Yeah, the, the only knock I guess you can have against Matt Hamstrick is that he couldn't quite finish in a ninety minutes. But that, I think that was more of a coaching decision than anything else. Because um, yeah, he played every game. He played, played every game though. Uh, he was an Iron Man for 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 Napoli. So I'm I just knocking wish. him for his hairstyle. Knocking it for his hands. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to give him credit. Consistency. Consistency is unbelievable. I yeah. wonder if El Shirai was gonna have the same consistency. Oh, wow. Like when he's like 30, 31, he can have the Mohawk still. I don't know. It breaks my heart. I mean, that Scudetto in 2017 should have been his. I, that still breaks my heart. <laughs> but I will say this: um, his most memorable moment, and still makes me smile every time I watch it, was scoring the ceiling goal against Juventus in the Coppa Italia. To win Napoli, their first champion, mm. their first trophy since Maradona, right? I mean, mm. it wasn't the winning goal because Cavani had scored from the spot, but it was the one that really sealed the deal. And that was the year Juventus went undefeated and won their first Scudetto in forever. And it kind of just signaled that you know what, hey, Napoli is no joke. And it was it was a big moment for the club. Right. Um. So yeah, let's move on to these strikers though, because this is an interesting mix. Yeah, I mean, we don't have it's a front three pure strikers. Um, we'll start with. Uh, Chiro Immobile um, and as we mentioned earlier he's been pretty damn prolific in Serie A uh, that, that year aside where he was in at Borussia Dortmund and, and Sevilla he was fantastic for Torino in that one season came back rediscovered his form with Lazio uh, I took some numbers here he has 116 goals in 199 games in Serie A this decade which which I don't think any of any one of us would have guessed if, if I hadn't looked this up. It's just unbelievable, uh, an unbelievable return. Um, and uh, full, you know, I, I rag on Immobile a lot, but uh, he, you know, he's 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 rediscovered himself, uh, and that's really hard to do for a striker. When you lose your confidence, it's really really hard to get it back. And uh, he did that after you know that that journey abroad. He did that with Lazio and. Um, got to give credit to him for that. Now, Gizmo, I'm going to ask you a question. Put you on the spot. Yeah, man. Given that he's got 17 goals already, on pace for what I say, 46 goals, something stupid like that. Yeah, he'll probably cool off a little bit. Of course. I imagine, yeah. But Gizmo, here's my question, and we're going to announce the next guy very shortly. Mm-hmm. But does he mobile break the next guy's City goal scoring record this season? Single season? Is it possible? Yeah, absolutely. Possible. I think also just because Lazio, I don't. Did they get through to Europa, into the next round? Because if they, because I feel like if they lo- lighten their load for the remainder of the season, I feel like the guy just coasts week in, week out, scores goals. Doesn't matter who it's against in Serie. A, I feel like if you allow the guy to play in peace and just hold that you know striker position with Lazio and just the guys that come through there and 
you have other guys that are going to have great runs of form and guys like Correa and Luis Alberto and even Milinkovic Savic. As soon as they get into like a nice little run of form, you know he's going to benefit from all of that. And, and nobody knows how to lighten their load like you do, right? <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's move on to Gonzalo Higuain because we kind of did give it away. Um, he's got to be on this list. And he's that, uh, the most... The Milan legend? He has the high... Oh, God. Um... <laughs> The highest goals per game uh, among strikers in City App, 0.59. I so hate just, him so much. Just over, I hate him so just much. Just over a half a goal per game. Uh, he's ridiculous. ridiculous. And uh, he's, again, another guy who's rediscovered himself at Juve. Who would have really thought of that after, um, you know, he went to Milan. for a whole year. Yeah, just shit at Milan, shit at Chelsea. Uh, but obviously, he's... Sorry, man. That, that environment at Juve, I think it's just, it's perfect for him. He doesn't have to be a leader. He can just do what he... You know, yeah. wants it. He has a support system. I don't think any situation where he has to be the some guy. kind of talisman, uh, it's not good enough for. It's not a good situation for him. He so. cracks under the pressure. He, uh, yeah, I mean, we saw that bit. with Napoli. Um, so oh, I just want to read 121 goals in uh, 204 games. So a little bit more impressive. than than, than Immobile. And I will say this: he scored big goals. And I mean, Juve, and I firmly believe this. And I hate it makes me sick. These words coming out of my mouth, but it's the truth. I don't think Juve wins the Scudetto in 17 without Higuain, right? Without his no. big goals against Inter, without some of like the massive no. things he did that year, right? Not like, even that. The winner against still, Napoli. If he was still at Napoli, right? Oh, it, yeah, it's 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 a different situation. Deal. Yeah. I mean, let's not forget, he scored the winner against Napoli at the San Paolo that December, right? I mean, yep. Napoli, Koulibaly won, you know, the game near the end of the season, but he was the one. And that game right there, Napoli could have moved, I think it was seven points ahead of Juve. It, if they got that win at the San Paulo, that's where they that killed them big time right. too. It goes from uh, it could have been a seven point lead, I think it became a one point lead, right? Like that was huge. So, uh, and then our last guy is a legend that people forget. You know, it's so easy to forget this guy, but Toto Toto Di Natale. Merry Christmas, everybody. We we have to. I mean, we forgot about him at first. When initially we had Collar off in our eleven. Um, even hey, though he deserves a ton of respect, he, but three he, seasons, you I know, think he's he, just it. not, just not enough time in Serie A. Um, and Di Natale, let's let's not forget um, to start the decade. He was scoring twenty plus goals every yep. season for Udinese as they uh, made the Champions League push every year. Um, and he had one hundred and seven goals in one hundred ninety three games this decade, um, which you know, I guess, would leave other people to question where, well, where does. Mauro Cardi fit into all this and yep. I actually looked up his stats and goal wise he actually outscores all of them 122 so one more than Higuain but he played far more games 221 so he has the um, he's tied with Di Natale in goals per game 0.55 uh, and I think you know what we can discount the Cardi on being a bad person so yeah. he doesn't make a list <laughs> you're a bad guy no, but it's, it. it's true because that you know what? As much as you want to chirp the guy, like that does make a difference in the sense of, um, is he a winner or not? Toto right? is a fantastic human being. Yes. He's not a winner, and cabinet, trophy cabinet it, wise, I, but I, I feel like you can overlook that. I do want to point out also, by the way, that two thirds of that striking force are not, yeah, are, are from a fantastic region in Italy that we like to call Naples. Hmm. Napoli represent. I mean, look, this lineup <laughs> is completely dominated by Juventus players. Yeah. There's a couple of Napoli players and a couple of Napoli-born players. Um, but, I mean, that's what this decade really was. Yep. It was um, Juventus 
ultimately prevailing as the team in Serie A and regaining their position as the top team in Italy, um, we this is a telling lineup because the Milan side struggled throughout the decade. I mean, yeah. now we're seeing Inter get back to prominence, but throughout the decade, um, both it, Milan sides. Yeah, I mean, because we saw the fall once you know Ibrahimovic, Thiago Silva, that the Scudetto winning side yeah. that moved on. Milan was left bare bones. That was the beginning of uh, this long barren run. Yeah, and realistically, the only team that even came close to threatening Napoli, I mean, Juventus, Napoli, Roma deserves some credit because they had a couple years in there where you thought maybe they could really do something, go on a run. Um, But that's what really this was. This was Juventus and some non-traditional Serie A giants. And I want to say non-traditional because usually you have the Milan clubs up there and you didn't have that. You had to. Napoli and you had Roma really and um, yeah for the past decade yeah and that's kind of what this lineup really reflects um and Pjanic okay with he's a Juve player now but I mean I I think the best year of his career was probably at Roma still probably I mean and that might change this year who knows but um I I think that's kind of what this lineup tells and we'll we'll see what the next 10 years holds but I I really think it's it's going to be a different story I think We'll see where Napoli falls and if they're able to stay near the top I think it's going to be tough for them yeah um Especially now with Inter, and you're seeing them come on. I and think be a real over the force. next, if if we had to make any prediction, um, like who would who would dominate, not dominate, but who's going to win the most scudetti in, in over the next decade? That's a tougher question. To I ask. still go with Juve, though. I mean, they're. Just... I mean, it's 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 the safest answer uh, for sure. Um, but I think Inter is starting to to enter that conversation. And, and it's it's not as easy as it would be, I think, entering last season where, um, you know, uh, we just we didn't know what to really what to expect. No. But I will say this though, with um, with Juve, I, I, I and I do think they will win the most Scudetti over the next ten years. But it will be interesting to see how this whole Ronaldo situation and how this budget situation impacts them. Well, because my question is not just the, the view is financially what this team is actually capable of, but. I mean, look, we saw the Fiat deal, the sponsorship deal with Jeep or whatever it was. Just they got more money, and it's basically the Yelly's giving money to themselves. Um, I, I just think they have so much power still, and even if they make some bad business decisions, it doesn't really affect them too, too much. Who would be your surprise team uh, over the next decade? Like, who? What's a, what's a team that would surprise you? Um, the team, I guess, that's not a traditional big player in Serie A that would surprise you. I I really do believe, and I mean, I know this is an easy choice right now, but I I think Atlanta can really sustain what they've got going mm. because um, what they're doing behind the scenes, they deserve a lot of credit for. I mean, uh, every baby that's born in Bergamo gets a jersey, mm-hmm. right, given to them. Like what they're doing to develop that club. And if it's not them, I'm going to go with Fiorentina. That's that's my pick. I was thinking about them as yeah, well. That's yeah. my pick. Camiso, I mean, they're building that training yep. facility. Um, they have plans to build a new stadium. Camiso is, um, you know, he puts his money where his mouth is, mm-hmm. or is it the other way around? Uh, but anyway, yeah, he's he's he doesn't he doesn't just uh, he doesn't he doesn't just blow hot air. Um, he's he's all about making things happen and. I think Fiorentina is a club that deserves to be at a higher level uh, than it has been in recent years. Uh, it's it's a one it's a one town club. Um, it's a one, one club it's a one town. club it's a one club town. I can't speak English. It's a one club town, and um, yeah, uh, I'm actually excited to see what kind of moves they make. 
<laughs> Speaking of the moves people are making, look out for us, Stereo Serie A, in 2020, because we're going to be making a lot of moves. I think so. Yes, and make so. sure you check out the docuseries because we're pumped for what's to come. And again, um, we got so much love over the, the Ronaldo episode, and thanks for that, and we appreciate it. And I promise you we haven't been resting on our laurels. Um, nah, no. We are we are working on some fun stuff. So uh, thank you very, very much for tuning in as always. Um, not just tonight, um, not just the docuseries, but for the last decade. I mean, Yeah, thank you so much. Um, it's it's crazy how it's flown by. And it's, I mean, it's changed all of our lives. Really. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Um, just the, just the, the the privilege of having to talk and, and to have people listen and care about what you say. It's 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 not a privilege awesome. that we've taken lightly. So no. uh, thank you to all of you. This and, podcast saved my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, the transformation of us and everything through it. So thank you all. Um, I think that's it. I mean, I, I've been your host, Marco Kubani D'Onofrio. Sports caddy. Producer Gizmo. We're out of here. See ya. What I gotta do? Keep it real with you. Stuck inside my truth. Spinning on my blue. Diamond on my tool, with my brother Lou. When I spit, let it hit, hit a double U. Couple rainbows, my little halo. Think it's J-Lo, but don't say so. Homie, don't play.